Auburn wide receiver Shane Hooks can be wide receiver one. Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every single Monday, Auburn Daily's Lindsey Crosby, as well as Locked On MLB Prospects, and a million other things but over the weekend well really it it belonged to Auburn wide receiver Shane Hooks we'll touch on his impressive day did he do enough to become Auburn's wide receiver one also there seems to be a new starter on offense that's emerging and there were also some negatives from the Saturday scrimmage we'll touch on all that today on Locked On Auburn Lindsay first things first I think we'll all be able to tell our children and grandchildren about this when they grow up where were you when Auburn football posted the highlight of Shane Hooks's one-handed catch in the back of the end zone? What an incredible play. What an incredible show of athleticism for Shane Hooks. Yeah, it was like definitely you haven't seen that big, amazing play from an Auburn wide receiver this spring as far as the big highlight where we where people could see it. There's video of it that has you hyped and thinking, okay, yeah, this is the guy. And so many of the practices, Hugh would go and he'd name six or seven different receivers that he thought could be contributors. And you're like, okay, it's just going to be a wide receiver by committee. There's not going to be a, a guy because Cam Brown, the sure. guy who we thought was going to be the guy, had been nicked up in a lot of spring and missed some time. And then they dropped that thing. If I remember right, I'm actually, I think I was with you for a fantasy football draft. <laughs> you were. Yeah. When they dropped that. And I think like three people at the same time were all like, holy crap, like in the room when the when they saw the video and just how amazing it was. And so I'm going to remember where I was when the OJ chase happened. I'm going to remember where I was on 9-11. I'm going to remember Shane Hooks's uh, one-handed catch while I was in your mom's living room doing a fantasy football draft. That's true. Yep, that's absolutely right. And so I, I think when you look at that highlight, and then he scored another touchdown reportedly according to Hugh Freeze, uh, on Saturday. And then also towards the end of the, the first scrimmage, he caught like a slant and then made three people miss for a massive, massive game. I think his body of work up to this point throughout fall camp, Lindsay, Shane Hooks can be Auburn's wide receiver one, just like we all kind of hoped he would when he and Jair Shorter both kind of entered the portal and chose to come to Auburn for their final year of college eligibility to say, hey, these are the big-bodied wide receivers that Hugh Freeze loves and adores so much. And so when you look at all these big-bodied wide receivers in the past for Hugh Freeze, we've done this a million times. Laquan Treadwell, A.J. Brown, the the list goes on and on. And, And I think when you look at Shane Hooks, Lindsay, he can be that next guy in that pecking order as far as, you know, the whenever you start to list these successful big-bodied wide receivers under Hugh Freeze. I need to see what he looks like without a shirt on, kind of like how DK Metcalf did that. But Understood. no, 6'4", 190, and like the whole question, you mentioned like we hoped he would. The whole question was, how would his game translate? Because he was right. at Ohio, not Ohio State, Ohio. Uh, it was like 600-something yards, six touchdowns. Spent two years at Jackson State, which is FCS level. Sometimes they got recruits. They got the number one recruit in the country uh, while Dion was there. But it's an FCS program, and so sure. the competition level wasn't nearly there. He put up 
just under 1,000 yards and like 12 touchdowns in two years. So we're like, okay, what's he going to do here? And and he had the looked, moments though, right, yeah. Lindsey? Like when you watch those ta- his tape and his highlight, it's like the highlights were certainly there. It's just the volume wasn't necessarily there. The volume and then it was like, how can he keep up those highlights, make those highlight level plays when he has a guy who's going to be playing on Sundays covering him? And it, so far... It looks like he can, so it may be. It may look a little different when we get into the heart of SEC play and he faces yes. that SEC defense for the first time. But for the most part, it feels like Shane Hooks mm-hmm. is your number one, and so this does a lot for the pecking order in the room now because you've got veterans like Javarius Johnson, things like that. You've got young guys with promise like Cam Brown. Uh, but now, if if he can, if Hooks can step up and be number one, these guys have less pressure and they have more space to work, and I think that's going to do amazing things for the entire room. Yeah, I've said this before. I think Auburn's got a lot of wide receiver twos and wide receiver threes on this roster. I've said that really the last three, four, five years. And if you can get Shane Hooks to be that guy, and look, I thought it was going to be Jair Shorter. I was mm-hmm. wrong on that. I think it's going to be Shane Hooks now. I've, I've totally pivoted. And look, most of the Auburn fan base was right on this. I was kind of the one that was trying to zag when everybody else is going the other way. But doesn't matter. We needed one of those guys to step up, and it appears it appears that Shane Hooks is going to be that guy. Because, man, if he can be, and he can stretch the defense, and he can make that safety realize, man, I need to help and cheat a little bit. I need to help this other corner on the outside. Boy, think about what it does for a guy like Javarius Johnson or a guy like Jay Fair, whoever's going to be in that slot. Or a guy or like Fairweather. There we go. There we go. I mean, I think all of these guys, it's going to open up the middle. I mean, that's the beauty of having these bigger wide receivers on the outside. And so we'll certainly see what happens with Shane Hooks. But all in all, what we saw on Saturday was huge. Six receptions, multiple scores. But, Lindsey, Hugh Freeze still kind of called him out. Called him out for, he didn't say loafing, but it sounded like that's kind of what he was saying. He said that he's not running every route like the game depends on it. And I think that's a mentality that Hugh Freeze is trying to instill across the entire roster, not just to Shane Hooks, not just to the wide receivers. I think he wants every rep to kind of feel like it's, you know, a national championship or bust type play, which is probably really, really hard to coach. I'm just going to be honest. I, I imagine it's really, really hard to coach. But that's what Shane Hooks has to do to take the next step. His, uh, his head coach gave him some love and then kind of called them out afterwards. I don't think that's a bad strategy by Coach Freeze. Yeah, it's, what is it? The, it's the the compliment sandwich, right? Here's here's a great thing. Here's something you can improve on. Right. Here's another great thing. And, and, you know, he said, like, obviously, run after the catch. I feel like a lot of Auburn's wide receiver production in the past has been guys that got a lot of volume, but they didn't do a lot with the ball in their hands, you know, as far as your your top receivers. And so... The fact that he caught a slant and made two or three guys miss, that's that's promise for the intermediate game. The fact that he went down, got that one-handed catch in the end zone, and the shot that Auburn's athletics sent out, such a beautiful picture of him. Just high-pointing the ball, God, wonderful. But having a guy that can do all of those things, like you said, I think the biggest beneficiary is everybody else on the field because if he can demand attention from two defensive players, that gives you advantages all across the field. Everybody else, like you mentioned, uh, tight end, mm-hmm. the other side, the other side of the field. Everybody has more space to work, and that's 
going to be helpful. Like you, you combine that with a quarterback that has accuracy and a better uh, pass blocking, you're, you have a recipe for a much improved offense in 2023. Yeah, maybe a thorn in the uh, side of uh, of opposing defenses, for sure. Oh! I, I, one other thing before we kind of put a bow on the conversation regarding Shane Hooks. You know, Auburn's second scrimmage that happened over the weekend was two weeks out from Auburn's season, which it's hard not to smile when you say that. But the timing aspect, I mean, perfect timing for a wide receiver like Shane Hooks to step up. Um, I, I think that's kind of some silver lining in, in all of this is the fact is like, man, okay. Cause I think there were starting to be some levels of concern and maybe I was kind of, you know, sounding that alarm more than some other people were, but I think Auburn needed this. I think Auburn needed to do to step up and Shane hooks did exactly that on Saturday and it benefits the entire roster. Like we already said, the timing of this is crucial Lindsay. Yeah, it, it definitely gives you now that you're getting into that extended game week preparation it it makes it easier to give individual game plans to guys now that you know okay we're going to use him as the number one so we can scheme things for him we're going to use you as a number two or like or an inside guy having somebody step up like that helps you when you create a game plan to better understand how like what's the ideal distribution of targets touches all of that so Great timing. Love that he did this now. The only th- time would have been better than this week was last week. But either way, you got it in before you get into game weeks, and that's what matters. All right, so a new starter is trending up on offense. We discuss who that is and what that means next right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. Well, you've got to check out uh, LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people faster and for free to help join your team. Doesn't matter how big or small your business is. You need folks. Every role needs to be filled with the right people. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. That is LinkedIn.com slash college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Lindsey Crosby, our guest every single Monday on this show. A new offensive starter could be trending up, and that is Xavier Miller at right tackle. He was the number one JUCO tackle in last year's class. He was one of the many flips that Auburn was able to pull off over uh, towards the end of rounding out that 2023 class. Um, actually, I'm not positive he was technically a flip. He may have been. I think he was committed to Ole Miss. If not, it was down to Auburn and Ole Miss. But when you look at Xavier Miller at right tackle, then you got to ask the question, what does that do to Gunnar Britton? They moved him to left guard. And if you recall, we talked about this on Friday's show because we saw this on Thursday. So now the starting offensive line appears to be, or at least they've tried it out for multiple times in a row, including a scrimmage, Lindsay, from left to right. Dylan Wade at left tackle. We've now seen Gunnar Britton at left guard, at center Avery Jones, at right guard Cam Stutz, and at right tackle now, Xavier Miller, or too tall Miller, as they like to call him. But the ringing endorsement in all of this, Lindsay, is Hugh Freeze saying we can't keep him off the field. And I think when you look at Xavier Miller, the biggest knock against him was that he's raw. He's got all the pieces. He's just got to put it together. 
And it sounds like he's putting it together a little bit faster than we thought, Lindsay. This is huge. This is huge for the offensive line. Yeah, the, the traits were always there. Hugh Freeze went on and talked on Saturday, and he mentioned the the catapult uh, force plate tracking that they have. And this is a big thing in baseball, so I've, I've kind of looked into some of these and how they work. And long story short, it measures how hard you can push off the ground when you're getting into an explosive movement. And he's he's one of the better uh, scoring guys on the team in that. Like He's really strong. And Hugh Freeze's quote is like, he's got explosion, he's got flexibility. We have to recruit guys like that. The whole question was picking it up, coming from JUCO, where you have more of an ability to just use raw athleticism and maul somebody. Sure. And so we thought, okay, it's going to be a year of being a backup and then, you know, technique work, things like that. He's on the field now. He's a starter at right tackle. Like you said, that that does a lot of things for you as far as depth across the entire line. And you mentioned the rigging endorsement that Hugh Freeze gave to uh, Xavier Miller, but he also gave a rigging endorsement to Gunnar Britton. He talked right. about, because Gunnar Britton moved to left guard in the viewings that we got, and he said, Gunnar knows all five spots. That gives us flexibility to maneuver. He's played well. Uh, we're going to need both. We're going to need them both. And the whole idea here is Gunnar Britton can play anywhere you need him, which that versatility is incredibly useful. We see guys go down every year, but now when it's Jeremiah Wright and Tate Johnson battling for left guard, now you plug in an experienced option like Gunnar Britton, you have a better starting five, and now you have more depth in the interior because now you have two guys that are starter caliber that are not starting that can fill in in case of an emergency to go along with Connor Liu. Yeah, the, the timeline of these personnel battles in the offensive line is kind of interesting because all fall, with Cam Stutz being the fixture at right guard ever since he represented Auburn at SEC Media Days, mm-hmm. has been Tate Johnson or Jeremiah Wright. And it seemed like down the stretch, Jeremiah Wright had won the job. By all reports and talking to folks, it just seemed like Jeremiah Wright was better than Tate Johnson. Now the conversation has shifted, and it's who's better and who do you have to have on the field? Jeremiah Wright or Xavier Miller? And right now, I mean, it seems like it seems like it's a Xavier Miller. And we asked the question late last week when we saw this new personnel usage. And we were asking the question, Daryl and I were talking about it. It's like, are they doing this because they think it's the best? And this is kind of what, what's trending in that direction? Or are they just doing this to work on depth? And I think the fact that they rolled it out of the scrimmage, this isn't about depth. This is about a battle now happening with what's better for Auburn's offense. Having a Xavier Miller at right tackle or Jeremiah right at left guard, which is a little bit weird of a conversation, but I think that's where we are right now. Yeah, and I think what this ends up being is this is not now a conversation about do we have five guys who are starters? Because obviously you have more than that. Now this is a conversation who gives us the higher ceiling? Who gives us, uh, who do we have more potential to perform as an offense when they're in the game? And so that tells me that among other things, Auburn finally, for the like, you'll remember this day, Auburn finally has offensive line depth. For the first time in what feels like a decade, you have more, like, you're not scrambling to bring back a guy with two bad knees to play center for another year. Nothing personal, but like, like you, you have multiple options that could start. And honestly, Auburn's second team offensive line might be better than some of the first team lines we've had in recent years as well, simply because. The number of guys Hugh Freeze brought in, the literally unprecedented transfer hall portal, 
uh, transfer portal haul that Hugh yeah. Freeze had. And so you like what this means as far as provided that Zebby Miller's ready for SEC play. You love what this means as far as the ceiling of both the run blocking and the pass blocking. And you know that Peyton Thorne loves this. You got to think so. And you got to think these running backs are too. And we'll talk about the, the, the day that the running backs had in a second, but you look at the future of this Auburn offensive line, which I had a Xavier Miller being part of that. And that's certainly going to be the case now as well, especially if he's a starter this year, he'll be back next year too, from an eligibility standpoint. But I was a little concerned about, okay, you lose Gunnar Britton, you lose Avery Jones, and I think you're going to lose Dylan Wade. I think he's been good enough, and it sounds like he wants to go to the league after this year. And so what do you do after that? It's like you feel good about Connor Liu. You feel good about Jaden Muskrath that you brought in. And, you know, you got to think if Jeremiah Wright and Tate Johnson don't start, they'll come back, and they've got a chance to playing time. And it's like, okay, well, now you've all of a sudden got a Zavian Miller that would be coming back as a returning starter at tackle. And what if Dylan Wade doesn't go to the league? And it's like, if you brought back both tackles and you kind of let this offensive line develop, all of a sudden, there's starting to be multiple position groups where you're starting to see what the staff is doing as far as trying to win this year, but also setting them up where they don't have to do this every every December and every June and July via the portal. It's It's great. And it's kind of proof that, you know, everything they're doing has a reason for it from a roster management standpoint. Instead of just trying to live from year to year, they're building a roster and they're building a program. And so I think Xavier Miller being a part of this conversation at this point in fall camp is proof of that. Building a program for multiple years. Like what a concept. What a concept. Program building, thinking about the future and not just trying to make it through today. What a what Three an amazing idea. tackles that you're okay with playing in SEC play at this I moment. Literally, I probably have not had that in five years. And Have we had one? <laughs> have we had one offensive tackle that we were like, okay with playing an SEC play in the last few seasons? Not, no, no. And, no. and the best recent tackle that we've got, we played him at guard <laughs> with Braden Smith. So, I mean, this is just, uh, I mean, this is great. I mean, as an Auburn fan that, you know, if you listen to this and follow this show, you've heard us gripe about offensive line for forever. And uh, I mean, props to the staff for developing Xavier Miller as quickly. Because, I mean, I, I got reports after the first week of spring several months ago. I was like, who he's raw. He could be good one day, but he's raw. And now they're talking about starting him. This is great. Yeah, and it, it, it does something where you're in a scenario now that I think you've gotten some, some understanding from the fans now that if you see them bringing a guy in recruiting and you don't necessarily see where he fits in, understand that they have a plan and there's a, probably yeah. a different timeline for that player than you're expecting. And with how hard it is uh, for all the rating services to accurately assess offensive line candidates, like offensive line prospects, I feel like this just means any offensive lineman that Hugh Freeze brings in, I'm going to assume that they know more than 247 or rivals are on three and that this guy's going to be a dude one day. And, and yeah, I think this shows that, hey, even if you think somebody's coming in to be a backup, like they've got a plan to use them in the future, and maybe they're pretty good teachers of technique and can get them ready this season. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's huge. There were a lot of good things that happened over the weekend, but we got to discuss some of the negatives that came with Saturday as well. We discussed that in just a moment right here on Locked On Auburn. 
Want to encourage you to join the Locked On Auburn Discord. It's free. All you have to do is click the link in the episode description down below. We made a lot of changes late last week. I'm trying something new there. Over 2,000 Auburn fans involved and uh, always chit-chatting about various things. So be sure to join. It's free. Just check out the link. The negative things that happened over the weekend. You got to look at injuries. They're continuing to mount up. And also, I think it's time that we talk about the rush defense. Let's start with injuries first. As far as just the updates that we were given, Jalen McLeod, Austin Keys, the linebackers, Keldrick Falk, the defensive end, Coy Moore at wide receiver, Nick Martiner at wide receiver, Malcolm Johnson Jr. at wide receiver. All of those guys are battling injuries currently. And then a big one that reportedly happened over the weekend was defensive tackle Marcus Harris. Probably the most notable of all those names, Mm -hmm. especially when you compound it with the fact that Auburn's run defense has been struggling. And I talked to one person there that we hope we can get him back and ready by UMass. And so this isn't something where he's going to sit out one or two days. There's concern that he may miss some time. And so Marcus Harris is one of the better players on your team, especially in that front seven. And Auburn needs him. Auburn needs him uh, drastically. And, Lindsay, there's been a lot of talk about how good the running backs have been, and it's kind of a tricky conversation to have. But the rush defense, um, I think I was wrong on this. The rush defense I thought would be a strength of this team, and based on the way spring and fall have gone and the way these injuries continue to mount up, I'm not feeling good about Auburn's rush defense anymore. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where Jason Jones can't do it by himself. And I think a lot of us kind of said, all right, well, you've got a guy that talented, that big in the, you know, in the middle of your defensive line. Yeah. You're not going to be bad on rush defense. And I think it's, it's obviously, it takes more than just one guy to make a rush defense. It takes your entire front seven. You named multiple linebackers or jacks. You named, uh, you know, defensive and Keldrick, Keldrick Falk, who's been one of the more impressive freshmen on this entire team. Uh, we've heard, uh, Justin Rogers had some stuff done over the summer, and I feel you know, and then he's not quite where he needs to be yet, getting into the season. And so, you need guys to step up. We know Lawrence Johnson has been pretty impressive working in with the second team as a backup and things like that. But yeah, if you lose Marcus Harris, that kicks people into unfamiliar positions, and that makes it a little bit tougher to to get your fits and to under, know what you're doing on the field. So. I hope he gets healthy. I don't quite know exactly what the issue is, but we're hopeful. We know Auburn has fantastic medical training staff and everything. And this is the tough part about when you only get to play yourself is how much of this is Auburn's rush defense being bad? How much of this is the offensive line being much better and the running backs being very talented? We've talked before about you probably can have four or five SEC like starting caliber running backs in this room right now. It's incredibly talented. So... How do we properly assess what of this is the defense? What of this is the offense? I think that's the hard part. And we're all hoping it's just maybe this rush, this rush offense is amazing. But we won't know until you get on the field. That's the hard part. That's why we need, let us, let us play in-state teams for, for A-Day. Let us play in-state teams for like in fall or something, like a joint practice or something like that. Hit somebody different. Yeah, and even in practice and in these scrimmage games like we see with the NFL, I don't know why that's not an option, but it is what it is. Especially while while classes aren't even in. What's stopping Auburn and some other school from getting together for, you know, for two or three days of practice before classes are in? 
feel like that would benefit everybody. You could keep it closed. Like there's no reason to like make it public or anything, but I feel yeah. like it would benefit. Like if Auburn were to meet up with Troy, I feel like both teams yeah. would benefit from that, but that's all right, whatever. But I, I do think it's concerning that you're looking at, you know, Jalen McLeod, Keldrick Falk, Marcus Harris, all reportedly battling some stuff. Like that's mm-hmm. three of your four starters right now. Cause as of late, you know, Keldrick has been the starting defensive end and McLeod has been the starting Jack. Like that is, that is not good. And Austin keys is the assumed, you know, starting, you know, Mike linebacker. And so it's just not a great situation to be in. And with, you know, I mean, fortunately, I don't think, uh, I, I shouldn't say this, but I mean, I don't think UMass is going to be a problem, but you know, a lot Bulletin of these guys board. have been battling injuries for a minute. You know, like we haven't seen Coy all fall. Like when, when is he going to be available? And, you know, I don't know if he's going to be really part of this year's team because of how much time that he's missed. It's going to be awful um, because I think Coy Moore could be really, really talented and bring a lot of pop to this offense. But you need these dudes. Like Nick Marner has been with the ones every time we've seen him. Malcolm and Johnson Jr. is one of your most more experienced wide receivers coming back. That's right. And so the, the this list of guys that are going to like, you know, that are battling stuff. It's not the ideal list of guys that you would want on there. So I think that's worth monitoring over the next few days. Lindsey Crosby, how can people check out everything that you've got going on right now, my friend? Hub for everything's on uh, Twitter or whatever it's called, at Crosby Baseball. But you've got the uh, the Auburn coverage, mostly baseball-focused, auburndaily.com. You've got the minor league X. baseball coverage, Locked in MLB Prospects. You've also got the major league coverage, bravestoday.com. Yes, and you can find all of my socials uh, at Z Blackerby on Twitter or X or whatever it's called. And uh, you can read all my written work at auburndaily.com. We will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.